So this year, as I was praying about it, I got to thinking, you know, I've done these playlist series where we look at worship songs that we sing and we talk about the context of the worship song. And I was like, what if we just let the Christmas carols, you know, Walt, he loves this time of year because his fingers get like super stretched out trying to play all the Christmas carols because he doesn't usually play them. Um, and we, we sing these songs, you know, in December, we sing them a lot, but they, there is a powerful story written in the Christmas carols. There's some, there's some rich truth to the songs that we sing. And so I just decided over the next few weeks, I want to take a Christmas carol and kind of look at the story it's telling us, the story that, that we're singing about that maybe we don't even recognize we're singing about. So today I, I want to pick the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. We sang it last week. I think it was the first one Walt uh, cracked out of his Christmas carols for the season. Um, but I want to talk about this particular song. It's an interesting song. It was written by a guy named Isaac Watts in about 1700 and something. And the sto- his story, his story is kind of funny um, because he was going to church with his dad. And at that time, they would sing psalms, the psalms. And he said to his father, he said, Dad, all the psalms that they're singing, there's no heart behind it. They're just singing these words and there's no heart behind it. And he said, well, son, why don't you do something about that? And so uh, Isaac Watt, it says, wrote about 700 or 750 hymns that we, we sing or that are sung in church. And so uh, one of the hymns that he wrote is this song, Joy to the World. But again, telling his story, he was compelled by the Psalms and he was into the Psalms and, and he actually wrote a book of poems based on the Psalms. He would take a Psalm and he'd write about the revelation and Jesus Christ in that Psalm and he would write the book and, or he would write that and put it in the book and uh, I guess others read it. And actually the song, Joy to the World, was one of his poems. It was not written as a Christmas song and it was not written as a hymn. It was actually written as a poem based on psalms. It was based specifically on Psalm 98. I guess maybe 96 I have on here. It's supposed to be 98. So when I pull this slide up, just change that 6 to an 8 in your mind. It is Psalm 98 that I'm about to read. Sing to the Lord a new song. Now remember, joy to the world. This is what he used for that song. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered the love, his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and blasts of the ram horn, shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. I want to go back here because it's interesting if it's going to work, when we read this song, all of us, uh, we, we read this, sing to the Lord uh, a new song. He's done marvelous things. He's bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. And we put ourselves, when we read it, right, in the context of Jesus Christ. 
We, we put ourselves in the fulfillment that came. This was a psalm that was written, whether it was by David or another psalmist, uh, hundreds of years before the appearance of Jesus Christ. Yet, when Isaac Watts sat down to read this song, this psalm, he said, I can't help but see Jesus Christ in this psalm. How do we read these words and not see the fulfillment that has come through Jesus Christ? And so he said, I'm going to write a new poem. And so his poem says, Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room and heaven and nature sing. Man, you read Joy to the World without singing it sometime. In heaven and nature sing. In heaven and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs implore. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. They repeat the sounding joy. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. No more let sins or sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nation prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. He took Psalm 98 and he said, boy, that seems to be fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And this morning, I just want to look at these words of, of his song, not necessarily the psalm, just a little bit closer and, and see what they're speaking to us about Christmas, about this season in which we're celebrating or we're about to celebrate. Song starts joy. And we've talked, we've preached, I've talked about joy several times in, in, in this service, or I've had a sermon probably about three or four months ago, where is our joy gone, on the, on the book or letter to the Galatians. What is, is joy? And for me, you know, Sunday school, this kind of goes back to Sunday school. The, the joy is the product of God's redemptive plan in my life. A lot of times we think joy is happiness, or it's this always smiling, or it's this or that. Joy truly is the revelation or the, the, the expression of God's redemption that has been revealed in me. Joy, we, we talked about it, it comes, or it shares a root word with two other words that we're familiar. Those are grace and rejoice and joy. I've said that joy is the product of God's grace in my life. Joy is really the expression of what God has done. Joy, it comes from the Lord. Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. That's the product of, of His Spirit in me. It produces joy. He produces joy in me. Peace, uh, forbearance, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Oops. I'm clicking this button and my iPad's not changing and I'm wondering why because it's behind me, not in front of me. Uh, if you make known the path of life, you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And the important part about joy is it's fulfilled in the presence of God. Okay? So as we're singing about joy, we're singing about the product of grace in our life. Joy to the world we sing. It's the reality of the presence of God. John chapter 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Later on in about verse 12 or 13, it says, This Word came, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That's, that's Christmas. That's Christ coming in this world. The presence of God here on earth. The outward expression of the presence of God, whether it's in your life or on this earth, is joy. Okay? It is 
joy. That's what we should be expressing. So, so the beginning or the, the, the song starts with, with joy. And then it says, joy to who? The world. Good job. Some of you remember the song. Some of you don't. If you don't, I don't know what rock you've been living under. <laughs> joy to the world. Now, we've talked about when we think of Christmas songs or the context of these songs, we think in the context of our lives. This morning, I want to think of the song Joy to the World in the context of Christmas. So for us, Jesus or the story of Jesus, we've always been around it, we've always heard it, we've always been part of the promise. But when Jesus came into this world, right, God in the beginning, and, and, and through the Old Testament, he has a people who are chosen. That was the Israelites, thank you, yes, that's what I was talking about, it wasn't a trick question. He had his, his chosen people, the Israelites, and Jesus came into this world. And the, the beauty is that this song and the reality of the gospel is that Jesus didn't just come to Israel, but who did he come to? He came to the world. Now, I think this morning as we're talking about joy, uh, sometimes, uh, again, we're thinking through the lens of our lives. And, and what joy would that be for the Gentiles who had been excluded from the team up until now? You see what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if you were ever that guy, but you never got picked. And then when you finally got picked to be on the team... There was excitement. There was joy. You were never allowed to come. You could never get the secret handshake so you could join the club, but you finally got the secret handshake. Like these people, the, 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 the joy that they're experiencing is, is that now what they've heard about, they get to participate in. Yes, the Israelites, we'll talk about them in a little bit, the fulfillment of what is. But for the Gentiles, what incredible joy that now we get to be a part. We get to be a child of God. We get to be adopted or engrafted into his family when I was never going to do it because I'm not a child of David or, or a direct descendant of Abraham, right? I mean, isn't that the reality that, that, that many people faced in the world? They weren't of the right lineage, and so they were always excluded from the promise what if something you were always excluded from was now, now yours? There's joy. Glorious. Scripture says sometimes inexpressible joy that comes from his, his presence. Going along the line, the line of, of um, every, the world or every heart. Then he says, and heaven and nature sing. Heaven and nature sing. 
I talked about the joy of, uh, of mankind or humanity recognizing uh, Jesus Christ. But the reality is God is, is creator. And biblically, Scripture tells us that all creation will cry out and acknowledge the creator. This is the Psalm 96. Let the heavens rejoice and the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant in everything in them. Let the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. I know sometimes this personification, this understanding is hard for us to wrap our brains around. But what do I see in scripture is that all creation will rejoice at the presence of the creator. The fields, the seas, the mountains, the trees, they will all rejoice at the presence or the revelation of of the Creator. So what happens? I got ahead of myself somehow. All right, I'm missing a slide in here, one or the other. The next line says, Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. So, and then it talks about the fields and floods. Maybe that's why I got there. And then it says, repeat the sounding joy. Repeat the sounding joy. See, we're kids, so we get to say it four times. Repeat, repeat the sounding joy. Joy is the expression of of God's presence in your life. And I tell you what, when there's something good in your life, you should want to talk about it. Huh? Huh? I promise, if the Big Ten championship last night was Nebraska versus Michigan, and Nebraska won the game, we would have had a lot to talk about this morning. Correct? Joellen, I understand. Sometimes you connect with the majority, not the minority. I've had to learn since I've moved to Nebraska. Confession, I did not like Nebraska football in the 90s. I thought it was ugly football. I didn't enjoy it because I was an SEC guy. We passed and had flashy offenses. You guys just ran and ran people over. I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. I've learned to love Nebraska football. Now love me again. When we experience the presence of God, we have something to sing about, we have something to shout about, we have something to talk about. God, who was in the beginning, who spoke all that is into creation, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for me. I was under a curse of sin. That curse was death. That curse was eternal separation from God. 
The reality was that sin was going to lead me to a place of eternal suffering. But because of Jesus Christ, but because of the presence of God in me, the experience of His grace, I can rejoice, I can sing, I can tell time and time and time and time again of Jesus Christ and who He is. Man, we got the trees and the mangers and everything else. We've heard the story so many times. What story are you telling? What presence are you repeating? I'll move on. I really wanted to spend a little bit of time in this particular chorus. I want to read it and I'm going to ask you a question. And where does this put you in your mind in Scripture? That's the question I'm going to ask. No more let sins and sorrows grow nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow far as the curse is found. Far as the curse is found. Far as, far as, far as the curse is found. Now when we hear words like thorns, uh, uh, curses, sin, where does that take you in the Bible? Genesis. Genesis what? Chapter 3, right? Maybe chapter 2. When it comes to joy, this is the piece of the story that I, that I find so persuasive. It, got, it does kind of overlap what I said about the Gentiles in the world. Genesis chapter 2, God created. We talked about all creation identifying with the Creator. I'm doing a survey of the Old Testament class. And I've been able to read the Old Testament uh, through this semester and write summaries. My, my last paper I'm working on, uh, someone can do this for me sometime if you want. I had to go through the books of the Old Testament and write a summary of the theme of each book of the Old Testament and do that in 10 pages or less. Okay, so that was, that's where my brain's been. Anyway, that's not just, that was a flesh moment, Tam, so everybody could look at me and say, I'm incredible, going back to Sunday school. Shouldn't have said that. The song's taking me back to creation. In the story of creation, God did. We were, I just quoted John chapter 1. The beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Through His Word, He created all that was. He created Adam and Eve. And when He created man, He said everything was very good. Up until now, creation was good. Now everything was, was very good. Genesis chapter 2, He goes to this place that He's created where God is what? He's present with man, right? Scripture says that, that God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. In that place of creation, in the midst of that perfection, there was a problem that came up. That problem was in the form of a serpent. He said, you can eat from any tree but this one. And that serpent challenged Eve. She partaked of the fruit. She gave it to Adam and he ate of the fruit. And then what happened? Sin happened. Curse happened. Toil came. Perfection was broken. Right? Genesis chapter 3. To Adam he said, Because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree 
about which I commanded you. You must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. See, we talked about sin. We're talking about curses. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you. And you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. Since from it you were taken, and for dust you are, and to dust you will return. God's perfect was broken. In the midst of his words to Adam and Eve, what's he tell? He, he speaks the words that, 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 that Satan or, or the snake will be, uh, uh, have to crawl on the ground and, and the heel of the man will break him, right? It was prophetic that God has a restorative plan. He's got a redemptive plan to reveal to you and I. So fast forward about 4,000 years of waiting. Fast forward through prophets and through kings, through, through, through judges and, and, and through toil, through, through plagues and, and exile and, and coming out of exile, temples and rebuilding temples and being destroyed. All this time waiting for God's perfect plan to be fulfilled. 4,000 years of waiting. 4,000 years of imperfection. 4,000 years of not quite. 4,000 years of waiting for the fulfillment of this time. My kids, the other day, they got to order something on the internet. I think it took three or four days to come. Three or four days of wedding. The jubilant Walt like Santa Claus right now, being UPS. Santa does not wear a red coat anymore. He drives a brown truck. When that package showed up after three whole days of waiting, the expectation that was fulfilled and the jubilant celebration that came, can you imagine? See, we have to imagine because we weren't there. A world that has been waiting 4,000 years. Generations of waiting for the Messiah. Generations of waiting for that king that's coming from the line of David. Generations that have waited for the fulfillment of God's promise. Can you imagine when UPS came and brought Jesus Christ to that door? Man. What? What joy? I think it's hard. Most of us have known Jesus. Most of us grew up around Jesus. We had Grandpa read us the story of Jesus at Christmas time under the Christmas tree. 
We don't know what it was like to be a Gentile excluded from the promise. We don't know what it was like to be an Israelite waiting and wondering when the fulfillment would come. Boy, and we sing joy to the world, the Lord is come. Four thousand years in the making. Four thousand years in the fulfillment. That's that's joy. And we live in the promise. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nation prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love and wonders of his love. God is the God who is in control. He rules the world that's all of creation. With truth and grace, he makes the nations prove he is in control today. We live in the season of fulfillment. We live in the season where the promise has been revealed. We live in the time where Jesus has made himself known. But we need to live in a time that's defined by joy. We should be living in a time that's defined by the presence of God who has made his dwelling among us. Remember what happened in the Old Testament? Where was the presence of God typically found? It was found in the temple. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, what happened at the temple? The curtain was torn. And guess what? The temple became you. Your life, who you are because of Jesus Christ, should be the expression of joy. But at times, we're so conditioned to the presence that we don't see it. We're so conditioned to the goodness that we forget it. You guys can come forward. You can do whatever. This morning, I I, I want us to pause. And I don't want to take anything for granted. The promise that, that I've talked about today, the promise of this message, is that through the presence of Jesus Christ, Joy comes in your life. Through Jesus Christ's presence, the product of his presence, the product of his grace and love in your life is the expression of joy. So for some in this room, that expression of joy, you might be able to think back to the moment that you recognized you needed the love of Jesus Christ in your life. Do you know what it was like when when you were defined by your sin? That moment when you thought sin was what controlled you? That moment you thought sin was going to lead you to death? We live in a season where we don't know the fullness of Jesus Christ. But then in a moment, whether it was through a pastor, through a friend, through a song, through a dream, whatever it was, the fullness of Jesus Christ was revealed to you. And He became the Lord and Savior of your life. And suddenly, there was joy in you. You didn't know what it was. You didn't know why you were smiling, but there was something in you because of the product of God's love? For some in this room, I don't know where everyone is at. If you've never experienced that joy, I want to tell you that the season of Christmas means Christ has come to this earth so that you could know Him. 
If you don't know him, if you don't know his love, if you are not experiencing his joy, how do we do that? We align ourselves with his will. We acknowledge that sin once controlled us. We acknowledge that, that sin is leading us apart from the path that he wants us to be on. And we confess that he is Lord. Amen. He gets to tell us sin doesn't. Mm-hmm. He's the one who determines my tomorrow, not my faults from yesterday. We confess he's Lord. We confess the reality that through his blood... The sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we've been forgiven. And we've been set free from sin. And when we recognize that truth, when we live in that reality, joy. This morning, wherever you are, if you've never experienced the presence of Jesus Christ, if you experience the presence of Jesus Christ, Rosemarie will say 75 years ago for the very first time. There's joy in his presence. And not one person should leave this place this day without the joy of the Lord in you. How? Because scripture tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. He says when we gather in his name, he is here. I promise you that today God wants you to be the temple of the Holy Spirit of God. He wants his presence to be made known in you. Maybe you just haven't seen it. Maybe you've just ignored it. Maybe you you forgot about it, the presence of God. As they sing this, whatever song they're singing, I don't know, it's just fine. Focus on His presence. If you need to go back to a church and so many years ago where you first knew His love, the first time you found His, His grace, if you need to go to a place in His Word today where that Word is being made flesh and making His dwelling among you, whatever it takes to recognize the presence of God. Father, this morning in this place, I pray for joy. God, this morning in this place, I pray for the joy of the Lord to be made known among us. God, that we experience your joy through presence, that we experience your joy through Jesus Christ's grace being revealed in us. And that when we recognize you, when we recognize the presence of Jesus Christ, we do rejoice. We do sing for joy. The joy that has come through Jesus Christ. This morning, this day, in Jesus' name. There is joy, amen? Amen. I've got joy. I don't know about you, amen? Amen. I got joy, amen? Amen. You got some joy? Amen. Then repeat that sounding joy. Right? Amen. Tell someone about it. Tell someone about how good God is. Tell them about how, how incredible his love is, how, how the, the presence of his love was revealed in you. The kingdom of God goes with us wherever we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you, grant you his peace. May you truly repeat the joy that's in you through Jesus Christ.